You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. I'm bothered this morning. I don't expect that to be very intimidating coming from somebody with my stature, but I am bothered this morning of some things that I've observed just kind of out in the world, and I want to avoid it, and I want certainly to prevent it from creeping in to the church, to our church specifically. I am afraid, and beyond saying I am afraid, I am under the distinct impression that far too many people, especially in America, but far too many people are basing their ideas, basing their decisions, basing their perceptions of who God is and what God's Word says off of Hollywood depictions off of maybe what they read in a book or what they hear on a podcast. It is amazing the world that we live in today, everybody has a voice. It used to be where if you wanted a platform, if you wanted to be in front of somebody and share your opinion, you had to go through some steps in order to earn the trust of the people. But now you have an Instagram account, you have a voice. And as long as you have the ability to articulate, you can just throw out these facts and people will buy them hook, line, and sinker. The big wave that we have going on right now on YouTube, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's this wave, wave of what they call reaction videos where you are gonna have an actual tank driver watch movies that include scenes of a tank, and the expert is gonna tell you if it is realistic or not. Have you seen any of these before? Or you'll have a chef watch movies about cooking, or you'll have a doctor watch some of these medical shows, and they'll say, oh yeah, that's very realistic, or no, that's not realistic at all. (laughs) Some have jumped onto that bandwagon and even done reaction videos about Bible shows, Bible movies, you know, hey, is this realistic or, or is this not? And I find it very interesting that you can watch one of those reaction videos. I watched one the other day about um, dog fighting in World War II, and it was a pilot, a, a, a trainer, and he's saying, no, that would never happen, and this is where they got it wrong, and this is where they got it right. And people in the comments are, this is so cool you know, knowing exactly how it happened and thank you for your expertise and yada, 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 yada. I I know of a certain pastor who reacted to a couple chosen episodes. And the response that he's getting is not the response that these other experts are getting. Uh, I am not saying that this pastor is an expert. It was me, okay? It was me. And, uh, you know, and okay, that's, that's not Bible. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. And you should see the comments. Well, well how, how dare you? You leave them alone. They're, no, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. 
I would argue that if Hollywood is going to change dog fighting or change cooking or how things work in a kitchen, or if, a, if Hollywood is going to change how the law process actually works to make their court scene just a little bit more dramatic, okay, fine, whatever. Don't do that to the Bible. Yeah. Leave the Bible alone. Right. Oh, but people, people, they're more willing, they're more willing to stand up for a show. They're more willing to stand up for a, betray, a portrayal of Jesus rather than Jesus. If Jesus himself was in a burning building and a picture of Jesus was there, they'd save the picture and not him. I do, not, I do not mind. I'm not saying don't watch The Chosen. I'm not saying don't watch them. Some of them are very interesting. The danger that we're running into is people are starting to build their perception of Jesus and their perception of heaven, their perception of hell off of a YouTube short rather than off of the Bible. And maybe you don't deal with it as much as I do. But it's a problem when my calling is to stand up here and warn people that there is a hell to escape and there is a heaven to gain and there is a savior to trust. But the people in the pews have been lulled to sleep through Hollywood complacency. The truth of the matter is many people don't know the biblical description of hell. The truth of the matter is many people don't know the biblical description of heaven. The truth of the matter is people would not know the true biblical Jesus if he came in, if he came in, the, back, if he came in the back door. We have gotten away from reading the book and we're starting to read books about a book that we won't read. We've gotten away from studying the book and we've started watching TV shows about a book that we won't read. And specifically, it's led to this lazy, lackadaisical attitude towards spirituality and eternity. And may I remind you, even if you lived 100 years down on this life below, that is, a, that is a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. So what I want to bring forward to you today is I want to bring forward an aspect. I want to bring forward an aspect of heaven and of hell that I think many people have never considered. And if they have considered it, I don't know that they've considered it seriously. If they've considered it seriously, if you've considered it seriously, we would not allow anything to bring complacency in our minds as far as heaven and hell is concerned. It's found in a verse in, Revela in the Revelation, Revelation chapter 22. So the first thing, I already given you the reason why I'm preaching this message. Just this lackadaisical approach, this Hollywood idea of heaven and hell and Jesus and, and Satan and what it's going to be like. There, there was a movie that came out when I was in high school and the slogan of the movie was this, it's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. Any of you watch Tom and Jerry? Any of you watch Tom and Jerry? I'm not trying to bait you. <laughs> My dad, yeah! 
There's an episode of Tom and Jerry where Tom dies and he goes and he meets this cat at the pearly gates. And he says, it seems like you've spent your entire life persecuting Jerry, so you can't come to heaven. However, I will send you back to earth for an hour of time. And if you can convince Jerry to forgive you, then we will let you come into heaven. If not, you go to hell. And he shows Tom what hell looks like. And hell is this, this burning furnace. And Butch the dog is there with a pitchfork and a boiling pot where he cooks cats. How many jokes have you heard? And somebody died and they went to the pearly gates. And they met St. Peter. And I, I did not think that that was such a big deal until my precious grandmother, my mom's mom, was on her deathbed with cancer. And I did not realize how serious this Hollywood idea of heaven had pervaded the minds of, of people until we talked to her about heaven and we talked to her, we gave her the news, you're beyond hope as far as, uh, as, far as uh, treatment is concerned. And her thing is, once I die, I'll get there and I'll figure it out there. No, no. So what does the Bible have to say about it? That's the reason I'm bringing this out. What is, we need to know what the Bible has to say about heaven. We need to know what the Bible has to say about hell, what the Bible has to say about Jesus, and what the Bible has to say about Satan. And I specifically want to bring out one aspect of heaven and hell that I don't know many people have, have considered seriously. And then in the verses that we're going to read, I find, I find some lessons, and I'm going to bring the lessons out in the very end, and you'll know that we're done. If you're there, let's stand, one with another, out of respect for God's word. Revelation chapter 22. Heavenly Father, we live in a world where everybody's getting their information about you everywhere but Scripture. Let us be Berean today and study the word to figure out what is so and what is not. Let it come across clearly, save the souls that are nearest hell, revive backsliders, call the prodigals home, and glorify your name. We ask this in your name. Amen. Revelation chapter 22, verse 10, and he saith unto me, this is an, this is an angel speaking to John, he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. It's very interesting because another apocalyptic book in the Bible is Daniel. And the angel tells Daniel, seal up the prophecy. But here he tells John, open it, keep it open, let everybody read it, it's time. Verse 11, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's focus in here just for a little bit. Please, please, please. The aspect that I want to bring before you is an aspect that will bring great comfort to some and great fear to some. This is an aspect that the Holy Spirit could not complete his word without including. An aspect so important and so impressive that the Holy Spirit put it in the chapter that he knew the vast majority of people, if they were going to read their Bible, 
they were going to read this chapter. You know how it is. You open, up a, you open up a book and you read the first chapter. And if you don't understand what's going on, what's the next chapter you go to? The last chapter. The last chapter. I've heard people say, I've read the last chapter and we win. Technically, it's the second to last chapter that talks about us winning. And, and the third to last and the fourth to last. The second to last chapter contains this aspect. Or, I'm sorry, the last chapter contains this, this aspect. And the Holy Spirit includes it there. Maybe for somebody just out of curiosity, he's going to read the last chapter. He is going to read about this aspect. In this aspect, in this chapter, God is addressing the only two groups of people in this world. I understand we can segregate people in a lot of different groups. But there's only two groups of people in this world that matter as far as eternity is concerned. There's the righteous and there's the wicked. And he's addressing those two. There's the holy and there's the unholy. There's the clean and there's the unclean. The sheep and the goats. The light and the dark. The believers and the non-believers. Kill this tradition in religion that, show, that shows you and tells you that there's somewhere in between. There is no in-between with Christ. There is no neutrality. When Jesus spoke about his kingdom, he said, you're either in or you're out. You're either light or you're dark. You're either sheep or you're a goat. You're either a believer or you're not a believer. You're either my child or you're a child of the devil. There is no in-between. And anybody who tries to mix the two, these lukewarm people, make God sick. I'd rather you be dark than a mixture of light and dark. I'd rather you be a complete atheist than somebody who sometimes believes and sometimes doesn't. I'd rather you be a complete unbeliever than somebody who only believes because you formed your own method of God and religion in your mind. He addresses these two. Righteous, unrighteous. Holy, unholy. Pure, filthy. In Christ, without Christ. And this aspect that I want to bring forward, if you are in Christ this morning, this aspect will make you fall at your Savior's feet and praise Him. If you are without Christ, this aspect, I pray, will make you run to His feet and ask, what must I do to be saved? I want you to think, first of all, I want you to consider first the place of hell. I know what Hollywood says, and I know what the books say, and I know what things portray. Let me tell you what the Bible says about hell. The Bible says it is a bottomless pit. Forever falling, never hitting the bottom. Bottomless pit. You know what that tells me? You're unstable in hell. People think in hell you're just going to be walking around, there's different rooms, there's different levels, and now you're on fire you know, and everything, but you can kind of walk around. No, no, no. You have no control 
over where you go. You're falling. You have no way to get traction, no way to get friction. If you were to see a friend over on the other side, somebody that you knew, you could not go to him. You're falling. Beyond that, it's outer darkness. You can't see anything. There is only one thing in the Bible that I read somebody in hell can see. And it's in Luke chapter 15 uh, or 16. Luke chapter 16. The only thing that I read in the Bible that people in hell can see is the heaven that they rejected. Other than that, you cannot see what is going on. Outer darkness, bottomless pit, a place of fire and brimstone. Do you remember the tragic day of 9-11? As we watched with horror what was happening on the screens. I still remember, as a 10-year-old boy, watching a news report and hearing them say, turn the camera off, turn the camera off, turn the camera off. Because people by the dozens were jumping. Jumping from a height. I, I don't know how high it would be, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet. Because they didn't want to burn. Hell is fire. Sir, hell is fire. Ma'am, hell is fire. Torment to the touch. I remember being on vacation one time and my brother and I were, were pyromaniacs. We loved building fires. We loved rubbing sticks together, watching Survivor Man and all these things. Like, what would happen if kids from the suburbs of Chicago got lost in the middle of the ocean? I have no clue where we would ever... I really thought quicksand was going to be a lot more of a problem when I grew up just because of the books that I read and the shows that I watched. But we were always, and my brother, he had this little poker, this metal poker, and he would stick it in the fire until it got red hot. Well, one time he put it down on a, on a rock right next to the fire. And I didn't know. And I went to lean back. The, the manly scream that I let out. Nobody likes to be burned. It's a place of fire and brimstone. It's not only torment to the touch, it's torment to the smell. And then it says it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a torment to the ears. You read in Luke chapter 16, he remembered his life on earth. It's a torment to the emotions. You will remember every gospel message that you ever heard and rejected. You'll remember that. I think one of the greatest graces of heaven is that he wipes away all the tears from our eyes and we don't remember. I think one of the greatest torments of hell is that you remember. It's everlasting. It's everlasting. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. It's everlasting. Show me purgatory in the Bible, I dare you. Show me purgatory in the Bible. We don't like thinking of everlasting so much to the point that Christianity will come out and say, well, let's come up with an idea of how to get people out. 
And their idea is give enough money to the church and we'll say more prayers and they'll get out early. Nowhere in scripture. We just don't like wrapping our minds around the fact that hell is forever. And God is not there. God, well, the psalm does say, if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. But I'll tell you this, you don't perceive him. You don't know, you will never see God in your life eternity there. Never. That's why when the rich man went to hell, the best person he could pray to was Abraham. Where was God? He couldn't see God. That is the biblical description of hell. Anyone want to go? It's a terrifying place. That's a horrifying place. But guess what? It's incomplete. That's an incomplete description of hell. It's incomplete. What are we missing? We talked about fire, we talked about eternity, we talked about brimstone, we talked about the sight, the smell, the sounds, the, the mind. We talked about it's incomplete, we're missing something. And because we don't know what we're missing, many people know that about hell. Yeah, I know it's fire and I know it's forever, and yet they still say this, I'm still going to go and all my friends are going to be there and it's going to be a big party. Okay, wait a second, wait a second. A party where you can't control where you're going? A party where you can't see anything? A party where you're on fire? Sounds fun. A party where all you smell is brimstone? A party where all you hear is people crying? That's no party. Okay, okay, but I'll, I'll, I'll humor you. Okay, it's going to be a big party and all your friends are going to be there. Have you ever thought of this aspect of hell? He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. Have you thought of that aspect of hell? Which means your friend, your friend who struggles with his temper and even on earth every now and then loses it and he's the last person you want to be around? In hell, he's unrestrained. In hell, he's all temper. I saw a shirt the other day that said, if you weren't my friend, I'd hate you. Even our best friends have bad qualities. To where you get to a point, oh, he's going to be there, I ain't going. Your friend, you're going to party with your friend, who the only time he's fun is when he's drunk. What are you going to do when he's in hell and he can't get his drink? But he's still addicted. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. See, you like hanging around with your friend. He's happy. He's go lucky. You meet him at, at, at your work and he's all good. But what you don't know is the only reason he's that way is because he just had his fix before he came to work. What happens when he doesn't get his fix? What happens while he's in hell? Dying for his fix and not getting it. How's he going to act then? And church, you understand, this is looking beyond the fact you can't see anything, you can't hear anything. You're not going to be caring about your friends while you're on... But how do we expect the world to fear hell when the only viewpoint they have of it is from Hollywood and people who truly know their Bible... Don't talk to him about it. 
Don't warn them about it. Seal not the sayings of this book. The time is at hand. Tell everybody there is a hell and it's real and you can't avoid it. Why would they avoid it if the people who know about it don't say anything about it? And why would they take it seriously if we don't talk about what the Bible truly says about it? Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. Oh, but your friends are going to be there. Guess who else is going to be there? Addicts are going to be there. Rapists are going to be there. Adulterers are going to be there. Murderers are going to be there. Genocidal maniacs are going to be there. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who's ever done that is automatically going to hell. The truth is, there's going to be addicts in heaven, too, who trusted in Jesus. But what I see is there's going to be filthy people who are in hell. There are going to be unjust people who are in hell. And hell doesn't stop their injustice. Hell does not stop their filth. But what about you? It, what if you go? What if you go? Consider with me, sir, the worst part of yourself. The part that if you could change it, you would change it. The Bible says that we have a sin that easily besets us. There are some sins that we have and there are some sins that have us. And when you commit that sin, I want you to think of the guilt that you feel. The burn that it brings to your conscience. The shame that you view in the mirror when you did it again. Perhaps it's your thoughts. Hell will not free you from that. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. Perhaps you can't get control of the alcohol and you're trying and you're fighting, but every time you fall to it again, you hate yourself for it. Can you imagine eternity of that hate for yourself? Eternity of that shame. Perhaps it's your temper where if somebody crosses you in the wrong way, it wells up within you and you, just, you say things that you regret and you do things that you regret and then afterwards you cry yourself to sleep at night. Why did I, why did I do that? You know, you know of people in your own life and I can tell you of people in my own life close to me who became so hurt, who became so discouraged about who they were. They take a gun and put it in their mouth and end their life because they don't want to come to grips with who they really are. Can you imagine being that same person in hell, always dying but never dead? I would say if people knew this aspect, they wouldn't talk about partying with their friends. They wouldn't say, I'm gonna go, it's not a big deal. They wouldn't say, I'll think about it tomorrow. No, no, don't think of it tomorrow. You're only guaranteed now. You're only guaranteed today. And once you go to hell, it's too late. Death solidifies your eternal character. Let him that is unjust 
be unjust still. God will never step in and change you. It's too late. Let him that is filthy be filthy still. All the fires of hell have no power to burn away who you are when you enter it. Which tells me how much torment it must be for the murderer, how much torment it must be for the extremely wicked. Because they are going to be set in that extreme wickedness for all of eternity. But you know what that tells me? How much more torment must it be for the religious person that was so close? The religious person who knows scripture but didn't believe it. The the religious person who knew about Jesus but Jesus didn't know about them. How much torment must it be? And that's why the Lord says when they stand before me at the judgment day, they're going to beg and they're going to plead. Look at all that we've done. Look at all that we've done and look at all that we know. And he's going to look back and say, I don't know who you are. Depart from me. To live forever. To live forever. To live forever burning with your hand on the doorknob of heaven. And yet never able to unlock it. That is, not a, that is not a gamble you want to play. Well, I'll figure out when I get there. No, figure it out today. Jesus died. He rose again. He was buried and he rose again so that you can know that you're going to heaven. Let's talk about heaven. Let's talk about heaven for a little bit. People all say, I don't like these fire and brimstone messages. Well, first of all, first of all, then you won't like the Bible. Second of all, it was a fire and brimstone message that changed my life. I don't know your personality, but I know mine. If somebody were to come up and say, Jesus understands, I'd run with that, bro. I'd run with it. I need someone to look at me and tell me square in the eye, you're wrong. You're wrong, and here's how to get it right. Here's the third thing I'll say about fire and brimstone. As soon as you wrap your mind around the fire and brimstone, you will truly appreciate heaven. You will not truly appreciate heaven until you appreciate the alternative. Because heaven is not what we deserve. Hell is what we deserve. Let's talk about heaven. That's everlasting too. There's a lot of things heaven and hell don't have in common, but there's some things they have in common. One of them is it lasts forever. The Bible says this, streets of pure gold that you can see through. And the cool thing about gold is the more pure it is, the more malleable it is the softer it is, we'll take off our, I don't know what we wear in heaven, we'll take off our converse and walk, and I can imagine you'll feel the gold so pure squishing beneath your feet. Tempur-Pedic streets of gold. You know the, the, the precious metal that we have that a young girl will God uses his pavement. Gates made of pearl. Walls made of jasper. A fruit tree that brings forth 12 manners of fruits in its month. A pure river of water. And whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. 
other believers, other believers will be there. You'll get to talk to John. You'll get to talk to Mark. You'll get to talk to Ezekiel. You'll get to talk to Ruth. You'll get to talk to Esther. You'll get to talk to Nebuchadnezzar. My first question is going to be, how? How? How are you here? You know his first question to me? How are you here, buddy? <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar is going to say the only thing that's different about me is God wrote down all I did wrong in a book. <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to get to talk to those who have gone on before. I love what's in heaven. What's in heaven makes heaven heaven. You know what else makes heaven heaven? What's not there? No death. No pain. No crying. One of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to climb to the top of a mansion. I'm going to just jump. I'm going to jump off. Just poof. No pain. No sickness. No night. You know what no night means? No tired. No tired. There's no tired in heaven. Hey, I'm going to go talk to Mary for a couple thousand years. Okay, have fun. See you back. You know, another thing that I've heard about people, you know, hell or, you know, heaven, you get locked in this gate complex and you just do the same thing over and over. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And he said this, you're doing the same thing over and over. That sounds like slavery to me. Heaven sounds like hell to me. Because you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over. Well, you're, okay, here's your argument back at you. You're doing the same thing over and over and over in hell again. So even if hell was a party, it's a party you can't leave. And even good parties on earth, after about an hour, I'm thinking, done, done, done. But heaven, no, the gates open. The gates open and close. You can go in and out. There's a new heaven, there's a new earth, and there's no more sea. You get to go in and out, and you get to explore, you get to work, you get to serve. There's stuff to do. Everything that we lost in the garden, Jesus repairs and restores and more. Oh, and we haven't even talked about this. Jesus is there. Take away the streets of gold. Take away the streets of gold. Take away the mansions. Take away the fruit tree. Take away the water. Take away the other saints. Take away all of that. Take away the, the bliss. Take away the no exhaustion. Give me sickness. Give me pain. I will spend the rest of my life in pain and sickness if Jesus is there. I get to hold his hand and talk to him and walk with him and watch him go up to my wife and hug my wife. Because he saved her too. Maybe he could save her. He could save anybody. I get to watch... Jesus go up to you with all the burdens that you bear. And so many of us say, Jesus, I have so many questions. I have so many questions. You and I both know one look into his eyes. We're not going to care about the questions. We're just going to grab him and never let him go. That's the biblical description of heaven. Wonderful, is it not? Wonderful. And yet I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man what God hath prepared to them that love him. If you can think about, I think this is in heaven, you pretty much guarantee it's not. It's going to be much more wonderful than that. 
but it's an incomplete picture. It's an incomplete picture without this aspect. I'm not saying that this is the best part of heaven. The best part of heaven is Jesus is there. But this is a really good one. Sir, you know that worst part about yourself? Ma'am, you know that worst part about yourself in heaven? Gone. That natural reaction you have to flare up and temper and, and be angry. And even on earth, you say, I don't know why it bothers me, but it bothers me and it gets you into trouble. That's not going to happen in heaven. Sir, ma'am, when you get home and you're on your phone and you're scrolling and an ad pops up or a billboard or you see something and immediately lust grabs onto you and it doesn't let you go and it feels like it won't let you go until you give in to its temptation, that's gone. That's gone. The tendency that you have to curse, gone. The tendency that you have to complain, gone. The tendency that you have to bitterness, gone. Gone, 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 gone. My sins are gone. Buried in the depths of the deepest sea as far as the east is from the west. Gone. If you are saved, if you are saved, you know this, you struggle with sin. Don't tell me, as soon as I got saved, sin left me alone. I don't see that in scripture, but I'd like to talk to you. You struggle with it. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, there are things that I want to do and I don't do it. And there's things that I know I shouldn't do and I do that. But it's not me. It's not me. It's no longer I that do that. It's sin that dwells within me. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death, O wretched man that I am? We struggle. We struggle. We struggle with sin. And that's why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we groan. We groan within us. Lord, please come back so I don't have to deal with this anymore. I don't like this part about me. If I can change it about me, I can change I don't want to be a sinner anymore. I don't want to hurt you anymore. I don't want to hurt my wife anymore. I don't want to say those things. I don't want to think those things. I I don't want to do those things. I don't want to have this power over me anymore. Take me home. And one day he will. He will. He will. And 1 John says this, Beloved, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And when we get there, I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I do know this. We shall be like him. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. No more sin. Let him that is righteous be righteous still. Righteous is talking about our outward actions, the works of our hands. Everything will be right. Everything will be pure. If we could get everybody on earth just doing what is right and what is pure, wouldn't that be a little slice of heaven on earth? What we do, where we go, what we say, it's all going to be right. It's all going to be kind. It's all going to be pure. It's all going to be love. And let him that is holy, that's talking about within. Pure through and through. Because if you're saved, yes, you struggle with sin. And yes, you groan to, be, to, to go and be clothed upon with immortality. But here's another thing. If you are saved, the moment you are saved, the Bible says God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we should be made the righteousness of God in him. You realize, yes, we still struggle with sin. We still have this flesh. But in God's eyes, you're righteous. You're righteous. And not only that, you're holy. You, you belong to him. You belong to him. And as soon as you step in, oh, you're righteous, be righteous still. Woo. 
Oh, you're holy? Be holy still. And I think if people knew that aspect of heaven and hell, they'd take it a little bit more seriously. Now, here are the lessons that I learned, and I must let you go. Even though I'm doing wonderful on time, and I'm tempted to go about another hour and a half. I've got the energy. Trust me. Here's what I learned from these verses. Number one, there is a choice to make between heaven and hell. There's a choice to make. And they're very different from one another. And the Bible is very clear about what you are going to experience. Number two, this life is your only chance to decide. Now, we can go on point number two, this life is your only chance to decide. We can go a lot of different areas. How about the fact, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. So those of you who keep on saying tomorrow, 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 one day tomorrow is not going to come for you. And what this teaches is as soon as you enter into eternity, your, your character is stamped, stamped in place. At death, are you righteous? Be righteous still. At death, are you holy? Be holy still. At death, are you filthy? Be filthy still. At death, are you unjust? Be unjust still. You had your chance. Your earthly decision will determine your eternal character. Your earthly decision, this earthly decision, what will you do with Jesus Christ? This earthly decision will determine, will solidify your eternal character. Number three, only Christ has the power to change you. All the powers and fires of hell cannot change you when you get there. Though fire purifies, it will not purify one of your sins. Only Christ has the power to change your spirit. It says, you were dead in Christ, you were dead, but God who is rich in mercy quickens you, quickens you, makes you righteous, makes you holy in his sight. Only Christ can do that. So you say, no, I'm going to do it myself. You who are so dirty, you who are so filthy, you who are so unjust, are going to change your spirit standing in God's eyes? That is like telling somebody, that is like giving somebody a white sheet and saying, fold it in half four times over. And then dipping their hands in blood. They might fold it perfectly, but it's still filthy. When you are a sinner, you have blood on your hands. And therefore, you might obey God's instructions perfectly, but you've soiled it with your sin. The blood has to be removed. The blood has to be washed off. The dirt has to be removed. Jesus says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
Only Christ can change who you are. Here's the next one. Time is short to choose. Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. If the man or woman knew what time the thief would come, he would prepare. But the Lord comes as a thief in the night. When people say he's not going to come, that's when he's going to come. When you say peace and safety, when you say I have time, that's when he comes. So if you have even an inkling in your heart right now, sir, even an inkling in your heart right now, ma'am, something saying that crazy Asian preacher up there is right, listen to him. You better follow, you better follow that Holy Spirit's leading in your life and choose Christ while you still can. Choose Christ while you still can. God said, seek you the Lord while he may be found. That tells me if he's passing by right now, he's going to pass by and it might not, he might not ever come back. What if you're wrong, preacher? What if I have another chance? Congratulations, you'll have another chance. What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong and you never have another chance? Come to Christ, come to Christ. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And then lastly, if you're saved, if you're saved, if you know that you've been cleansed, in God's eyes, you righteous? In God's eyes, you holy? And you enjoy that even now, but you're going to enjoy it in perfection in heaven forever and ever and ever? Tell as many people as you can about what Christ did for you. Seal not up the sayings of this book. Seal not up the prophecy of this book. The time is at hand. Tell your neighbor, tell your cousin, tell your spouse, tell your friend. There is a hell to escape. There is a heaven to gain and there's a savior to trust. Well, I'm nobody. Well, just be a nobody who will tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. And if you do not know for sure that you're going to heaven, wouldn't today be a good day? Wouldn't today be a good day? Wouldn't it be good news? Wouldn't it be good news if all of your sins could be washed away, if you could stand holy and righteous before the Lord? Maybe you say, I, I, I want that. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.